0: what's up? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Episode number 9. Today on the show, we are going to talk about fitness. We're going to talk about injuries. We're going to talk about the prevention of injuries and the recovery from injuries. So, if you guys have ever experienced an injury out there in the field or doing PT in the off season? You know how bad it sucks. So, listen up. My guest today is going to be Dr. Anthony Harrell. He's a practicing physical therapist in California, and he was, well, before he was a physical therapist, he was a uh, volunteer structure firefighter and a former UConn Hotshot. He uh, graduated from the University of California, San Francisco, and while he was there, he investigated the effects of cross training on injury risk reduction and the performance variables in wildland firefighters. So, pretty cool. He used his uh, experiences as a former firefighter to develop this study. Pretty awesome. He's also the co-founder of the Human Resilience Project, and that is going to be an up-and-coming startup in Silicon Valley. And his mission is to create a platform where people can become their most resilient self and achieve the full capacity in whatever endeavors they pursue. Dr. Anthony Harrell's a pretty cool dude, and uh, yeah, listen up. This is a pretty cool episode. Anyways, guys, welcome to the Anchor Point. Would you like to just get into it?
1: Yeah, if you're if you're ready, I'm ready.
0: Hell yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready?
1: <laughs> Let's do it. it.
0: Alright, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Dr. Anthony Harrell, DPT. Anthony, how you yep. doing?
1: Good, good. Yeah. Glad to be here, man. It's nice to be on the other side. And I've been listening to the podcast for a while, super pumped on everything you're doing, and I'm happy to be a part of it.
0: Hell yeah, man. So uh, let's get into it, man. Let's uh, let's talk about like your years in fire. Let's go through introductions. So go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, I've, uh, I got my doctorate in a physical therapy down at UC San Francisco in 2016. Uh, prior to that, I, I actually started the Forest Service hot shotting in 2009. Um, I kind of fell into it by uh, a little bit of luck. So I'd been looking for some work in wildland firefighting. I was going to school at Humboldt state at the time. And, uh, uh I had got onto an engine crew or at least that's what they, where they said I was going. And, uh, the local hotshot crew had some guy get hurt at the last minute and they needed somebody to fill in. So, uh, me being green and, and ready, you know, ready for anything I said, sure. Hell yeah!" And dude. I was kind of off from there. It was, it was quite a journey.
0: Nice, man. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what uh, shot crew were you on?
1: Yukonom, uh, So up on the Six Rivers National Forest. Um, mm-hmm. I fought fire for them in 2009, 2010. Uh, I took a year off in 2011 to get my prerequisite classes done for graduate school. And then I went back in 2012. I missed it too much. so It always it sucks a, a you back time. in,
0: dude. It always draws you back yeah. in. I love it. So Yukon, yeah. dude, that's some hard country up there. Some north, yeah, that's, that's the, some uh, the Klamath
1: just north of there. <laughs> that that nice, word. steep, and uh, really crappy. <laughs>
0: don't say that word, the Klamath. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> so, dude, uh, so you on hot shots. Um, how was that for you, man? Pretty,
1: it was pretty a blast. Um, it really, you know, when I went into the job, um, I was looking for for a change in my life. You know, I've been going through some hard times and uh, I heard that, you know, wildland firefighters really get down and, 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 and dirty with uh, what they do and getting thrown into a hotshot crew as a rookie. That was a uh, pretty insane. Um, pretty eye-opening. 2000, yeah. 2009 <laughs> was a uh, pretty rough. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, you know, kind of, uh, kind of the back of the crew most of the time. But uh, as the couple years went on, um, I got my fitness right and got my mind right. I got accustomed to everything, how it all works. And it, it was the best time of my life. I, I had a blast.
0: Hell yeah, dude. So after you, well, when you're on, you I mean, did you know you wanted to be a physical therapist? Like,
1: so uh, actually when I, when I started at Eucanom, uh, I was kind of leaning towards like a structure fire deal. And uh, I was, you know, I did some volunteer work at the local uh, fire department, the, the Arcata fire department up there in Humboldt. And, uh, then I got the summer job and I was like, you know what, maybe I want to do the wildland thing. Um, do some so, hood
0: rat shit with your friends?
1: Yeah. <laughs> get, into, get into some crazy stuff with, with my buddies. Um, but uh, as I went further along, you know, I, I realized that there were guys getting hurt left and right and I was hurt all the time and I was thinking like... Shit's you know, hard maybe, on your body, dude. Exactly. And maybe I can use the de- my degree and do something a little bit more to give back. You know, like you said before, it's it's a young man's, young woman's game and I was like, I can't do this forever, so that's when I started leaning towards like graduate school.
0: Nice, man. So that must have worked out perfectly, perfectly for you because we only, I mean, typically we only work six months in a day. So yeah. did you yeah. did the, like afford you a lot of opportunities to go and uh, do school mm-hmm. in the winter time in your off season?
1: Yeah. So uh, I would take the the fall semester off and then just kind of tackle it in the spring. Uh, in the spring, I would go from January till about early May and then the crew would be on and I would get there and catch up with everybody and we were ready to roll. So That's it cool, was a man. good time.
0: That's bitching, dude. So w- like with that being said, it's interesting you said that man, fitness, like going back to the mm-hmm. fitness thing and the being on the hotshot crew, man, what is your definition of fitness?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's really evolved. Um, my definition of fitness and I've, I've come up with, you know, kind of this working understanding that it's really capacity. Um, and, capacity, both in a mental and physical sense. And uh, my clinical practice as a physio has really formulated this because uh, I realized that, you know, we all need to be strong. We all need to have uh, resilience. You know, we need to have mental and physical toughness. And before fitness, I used to think of as an athletic endeavor, um, something that, you know, leans towards tactical folks. And I realized that everybody has a different capacity. So fitness is really individualized um the the guys you know pounding boots on the ground working on a hand crew they have to have a certain level of fitness the same with uh, the guys in the air the guys on the engines everybody has these different requirements essentially um so fitness is a really uh, individual capacity to do what you need to do
0: i like it i like it it's always good to see like different definitions because i was asking ty he was a uh, well i can't say the c word Rem- yeah. rom- sl- Ross fit <laughs> right There's definitely no seeing that I don't want them to pull my license either so but <laughs> he was talking about it and he has like a very a little bit of a def, different definition I think we yeah. all kind of uh define fitness a little bit different so it's always good right. to hear different opinions on that
1: so. Yeah I think that's the beauty of it you know it's so it's so uh unique you know it's it's capacity is just what whatever i have to do to to survive and to thrive is going to be different than what maybe you have to do or Ty has to do or one of the other folks that you've had on like, we just all have different deals going on in our life, but it doesn't mean that we can't strive for the the best fitness within each of us.
0: Yeah. Too, that too. And it's pretty much just a giant science experiment on yourself to see what works exactly. for you too. So, and yep. you know, there's a lot of other things that play into that, like nutrition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Which is
0: fucking shitty. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nutrition, might- your
1: sleep, yeah. All, sleep. All
0: dude, sleep is a huge one. As I learned last week, uh, Dr. Brooks, Dr. Brooks. <laughs> yeah. He's, he was a good dude to talk to and that's for sure. So, um, so we kind of brushed on it a little bit. Um, but what inspired you to be a PT? Was it just from working through the crew life
1: basically? Or so, uh, I'd had an athletic background and I think everybody that kind of decides to go into physical therapy has some sort of, you know, instance where they were injured or encountering people with injuries so uh, like i said people were getting hurt i was feeling hurt quite a bit and banged up and i started considering medical school and i was considering becoming a physician and i i decided against it uh, for the main reason being that i really believe in prescribing exercise um, to fix issues i mean if exercise didn't work there would be no such thing as physical therapy Um, obviously there's tons of science to back up that exercise does work and with the physician uh type of practice like i I just didn't want to go through all that work to spend fifteen minutes with a with a patient or a client with the physical therapy. It's really nice I get to evaluate and spend thirty minutes to an hour with somebody um, so there's a little bit more flexibility uh, I'm a people person, so I get to know people on a deeper level um, and I really like that that's what really drew me into the physical therapy realm of things
0: that's awesome man and it's cool that you it's it's important to have that people person kind of personality mm-hmm. especially in a career field like yours because bedside banner is huge and if you can't relate yeah. to your client or your your patient then they're not going to take anything that you say seriously
1: absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, ex- experience and uh, a little bit of personality mixed with some uh, evidence uh, that seems to get the job done pretty well <laughs> but you got to be able to talk to people like you said
0: oh yeah and dude that's a cool thing too is like looking on your social media uh, stuff i I love how you call people on their bullshit.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Let's talk about that, man.
0: Let's get into that.
1: (laughs) So, uh, you know, went through uh, graduate school and all that. And we kind of come out with this, you know, very basic knowledge of just how to operate, how not to hurt somebody. But uh, when you turn out and the real world kind of hits, you start running into all these things that just don't make sense. And, you know, I've got a doctorate in physical therapy and I really believe in science and using evidence to guide what we're doing and some of these things just uh you know like uh you know you see these things like uh shocking people or or people you know rolling around on lacrosse balls it's not a bad thing just I, it has a time and a place um, it's not the be all and end
0: all thing. either that's a thing
1: exactly like we can't be preaching that that's the fix um, a lot of people physical therapists especially uh, tend to go towards a, a very passive way of doing things. And that's not what the science says, though. The science says it's a very active process. Um, the human organism needs to be challenged and stressed in order to adapt. So anything that really, you know, goes against anatomy or basic logic, I just, I, I feel the need to call out. I just can't put up with that stuff. You know, I've got my doctorate and I'm like, I, you know, I paid all this money for that. I went through all that school and I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to let people think that
0: hell yeah dude that's awesome man and you know what thank you dude because a lot of the I've been injured a lot I've had you know three knee surgeries, freaking herniated discs, broke my wrist, yeah. foot whatever I got a lot of a list of injuries and I've been in physical therapy a lot. so yeah. one of the things I appreciate about the style of practice that you do is you cut the bullshit you're not sitting in there your your is not designed to keep people in the clinical setting exactly. it's meant to get better and I I'm just gonna say it I fucking hate yeah. it. I fucking hate it when those people the 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 physical therapists that just have you on the same stupid rubber band pull-up thing or whatever exactly. all the time you're not making any progress you're not doing anything to do it's it's not bettering your body it's not healing anything so
1: exactly and, and you know just a shout out to everybody all those you know men and women listening to the podcast here it's like if you want to look for a good clinician uh, make sure that you're not getting some ultrasound treatment, some some basic modalities that are just sitting electricity through your body, you know, like cold lasers and all that. Make sure that you're getting like a good thorough workup, a good evaluation, uh, physical examination, um, somebody that actually cares and is willing to educate you because you should really be an equal player on the team in your recovery. Um, so let's make sure to choose clinicians that are actually there for you, not just those working for an insurance company.
0: Thank you. Words of <laughs> advice. So whoever's out there that's actually you know going through some tough injury or recovery or anything like that, you know, keep in mind that, you know, it takes one, it takes two people to tango. So you can kind of yeah, set the so, pace yeah. and two, you know, look out for that uh, quality of clinician. That's that's for damn sure. So if you want to get back to where you want to be, definitely reevaluate your clinician.
1: <laughs> there you go. You have the right to do it, man. You oh, use yeah. it.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> So speaking of injuries, man, let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Let's talk about
1: injuries. All right. So, uh, you had posed a couple, a couple questions or at least wanted me to start thinking about injury prevention. Should I just kind of dive into that? Dude, go
0: down any rabbit hole that you want, man.
1: All right. So, uh, I wrote a couple notes here and this is something I want, you know, kind of to spread out in the world. Um, so Like I said, the science and the evidence is really what drives our practice um, for anybody with a doctorate. It should be the foundation of what you do. Uh, I don't want to have a doctorate and BSing people. So (laughs) I went in and dug up the research a little bit. I was like, you know, what is really uh, keeping people performing the way they want to? And I found a couple of studies, uh, a couple of meta analyses and systematic reviews, which is essentially our way of just synthesizing the literature. To look across a broad spectrum of studies and put it together to say this is kind of the best practice that we came up with and strength training uh far and wide has dominated the injury prevention space Um, there was a study done in 2014 they looked at over 600 people um, published in the british journal of sports medicine and they found that being stronger just simply being stronger reduced injuries by by 33 percent managing load and, and the ability to uh, be resistant to, to the adaptations that you you get from strength training uh, that reduced injury, uh, other overuse injuries by about half. So things Damn. like tendinopathy, tendinitis, all that kind of thing that falls within overuse injuries was all cut in half. And 2018, they looked at over 7,000 other participants in a study. Um, this one went over about 13 years. And again, they, they tried to see if they could refute the strength training claim but instead it just validated just kind of re-solidified it exactly that an increased amount of volume and intensity uh you know through like lifting weights uh, it started reducing injuries by about 66 percent so the evidence is really overwhelmingly clear that strength training is the best way to prevent injuries
0: Okay. So be strong, stay strong. And also that a consequence of that is also reducing your capacity for becoming injured. Now, what about like proprioception was proprioception kind of in there and
1: it was, yeah. yeah so, uh, especially with, uh, with, you know, the wildland fire community's line of work, it was in there and it did have a positive effect. Um, it's better done, uh, programmed with strength training. So mixing it in there, that type of thing works. Balance training works. The one thing that did not work is uh, static stretching. So there was no no change on the risk of injury or those injuries reported with static stretching. That was the only thing that had no change. No shit. Yeah. So and it's crazy because uh, for so long, you know, a lot of people have been told, uh, you know, go stretch the hammies before you go out on on the on the run, uh, or you know, do a little bit of, uh, of stretches before you go lift the weights. And there's really just no evidence to support that. No uh, shit. The best the best thing is to do a dynamic warm up before to warm up and get a sweat going to where your muscles are ready to roll, and then after a cool down uh, type of movement.
0: Okay, so then there's that old adage of "Well, does a lion stretch before it takes down a gazelle?" And I guess that uh, <laughs> this research is kind of proving that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's wild, uh, yeah. man.
0: That's cool. Um, so now proprioception. Mm-hmm. could you I, I always struggle to like define that so i want to hear yeah. it from you what could you define that
1: yeah so, so people uh, know what the hell i'm talking you know, about <laughs> kind of make it to make it like a just really presentable i would say uh proprioception specifically has to do with knowledge of where your limbs are in space without having to consciously think about it so if you're hiking up a hill you know you want to be focused uh carrying carrying the chainsaw or or carrying like a line a hose up. You don't want to be focused necessarily hundred percent on where your feet are landing. So building up that proprioception through training uh, is going to allow you to focus on the task at hand, which is the fire <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and instead of having to sit there and worry about falling over all the time. Uh, it's really just that subconscious awareness of where your body is in space.
0: Gotcha. So there you go. Gain your essay. You can keep your head above the ground and start looking around while you're hiking. If you train for this proprioception stuff and I try and like define that to like my guys, out, my guys and girls out at the station, but I just, I just fucking struggle every time. Yeah. To, <laughs> it, well, I,
1: yeah I studied it for uh, three years and I was still like, man, how can I make this sound simple? Uh, but that's <laughs> what it is. Just knowledge of where your limbs are in space, you know, subconscious, not having to think about it.
0: Nice. Now, what about like prehab versus rehab? I know this is kind of like yeah. one of those things. Uh, or if you want to like start linearly and like say prehab, say you get an, uh, an injury and then we could just run it down the list if you want. Or yes. we'll start wherever, man. Um,
1: so, yeah, you, you posed that question for me to think about before we got on here. And I was, I was really trying to come up with like a good definition of prehab. And, um, you know, like the literal definition of it was presented by the British Medical Journal essentially as preparation Uh, for surgery through exercise and the term has been so twisted by so many fitness and health professionals and branded and marketed um, essentially to present really silly looking exercises um, and making people think that they need them (laughs) so uh, you know like you said you kind of get these people who who push like the band work and uh, rolling around on on balls and and all that thing again there's a time and a place for it there's no real bad exercise but there's more efficient things you could be doing. So my definition of prehab essentially is just strength training um, to cut through the BS. It's really prepping your body um, by imposing stress on it to get an adaptation. It's, it's just a good strength and conditioning program. Okay, um, go ahead. The, the rehab portion of it um, is on the other side of the spectrum. So I think that if you kind of look at prehab off on one side of the page and look at rehab on the opposite side. Um, When you start at prehab, you start strengthening conditioning, you start performing, and you hope that you never make it to the rehab side of things. But injuries happen. Um, People need to recover. Uh, There's a lot of hard shifts out there, a lot of hard seasons. People need to rehab their bodies. And the formal definition is really bouncing back from an injury, um, starting at very individual components of the body. So for example, a sprained ankle, we would start there, start with like the little muscles that control the ankle, build up some balance and proprioception, and then eventually integrate that back into full function. Um, whereas prehab is going from the whole, p- the big picture, uh, your strength and conditioning is targeting your whole body. Uh, rehab starts at a smaller level and then builds up back towards that big picture. Gotcha.
0: So you said something, you mentioned something pretty interesting, uh, during that, that little statement of yours, that statement of yours. And, uh, you said a hard season, and that kind of gave me a cue to ask you a question. Like, should we be treating a fire a fire season? Say you have a really tough fire season. Should we be treating that like an injury? I mean, we're doing the prehab, essentially, during the preseason where we're working out getting into fire fit shape. Right. And then we beat the fuck out of our bodies for six months. And then right. should we be treating that postseason? Like, I'm thinking outside the box here. Like, should we be yeah. treating that uh, postseason? as a rehab phase to get yourself back.
1: What's your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, I gotcha. So I, I do think that's important. I think you bring up a good point. Um, would I say that you need to go see a physical therapist and start hopping around with uh, little rubber bands to do that? Absolutely not. So I do want to make that clear to people, um, that rehab is really an evolving picture in itself. Um, there's been some really not so great therapists out there and fitness people. Um, so find those who, who really know how to help a tactical athlete recover. Um, find people with experience in it or who have some sort of training or some knowledge of what, you know, you guys are actively going through and the demands of the season. Um, and then have somebody address that after using that knowledge. So a rehab program, I think, is important after every season or a time to recover. Um, and it, I would say it would really look like doing most of the things that you enjoy. So starting off immediately after the season, Uh, hitting the slopes, going skiing, snowboarding, whichever you prefer, Um, going surfing, going hiking, that type of thing, maybe riding the bike and doing that for a couple months um, and just letting your body uh, adapt and get out of that, you know, stressful state that you've been in for like the last six months. And then you can start to slowly shift your focus from a very generalized recreational type of activity back into the strength training back into a, you know, a periodized state of building up strength, building up power, building up endurance, and slowly tapering off as you get closer to the season. So I think if I had an ideal type of rehab and recovery period off season, that's what it would look like.
0: Okay. And now what about overtraining too? Like during that, like if you say, say you've been getting the shit kicked out of you for the entire season and you just kind of keep doing like gnarly ass CrossFit workouts (laughs) Right. <laughs> sorry not CrossFit workouts I can't I don't know if I can say that all.
1: <laughs> too late come, yeah, come get me Greg good. Glassman come on <laughs> no that's all good um, so if you were like saying like you went to do a couple uh, like a gnarly roll 14 day 21 day and then all your couple days off like going through like some intense workout type of deal mm-hmm. yeah I you know I wouldn't recommend that and I know there's going to be some people out there that might uh go against what i'm saying there and say like oh but i want to you know get back to throwing the weights around or you know i want to go out and run sprints or whatever it is that that you uh you fancy but you know on those couple of days off i think it's important to give your body a time to recover um you know on on my days off back in the day in the fire days uh, i remember all the guys going straight to the bar and just getting (laughs) totally totally plastered for a couple of days you know totally the wrong thing to do (laughs)
0: It's not <laughs> but, good for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's either you know tearing tearing up your body through like some over intense overuse type of uh, workout, or the total opposite, and you're just going out and eating like trash and, and drinking you know everything in sight. I think there's got to be a a medium a common ground, especially during the season. Um, I want the wildland fire community to look at themselves more as tactical athletes. Um, I know I've heard you bring this up and some of your guests bring it up. And it's important to look at it like that. And being a tactical athlete, you know, your body is your best tool. So on the weekend, you know, I think it's cool to go out and, and move. You absolutely should move. Do things that are enjoyable. But don't try to go out and set a, a personal record or a personal best uh, lifting the weights up when you haven't been lifting the past couple of weeks. Essentially, fire shifts are a big endurance sport. So don't when you get off on the weekend, don't go and do the exact opposite and try to throw up a ton of weight.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because like I, I hear this all the time that we're we're inherently stubborn creatures, I believe, you nah, know, the, the yeah. wildland firefighter. And, you know, but uh, I I, heard, I saw something on Instagram the other day and it says there was like a something that painted on the side of the a wall of a gym. And it said you cannot possibly overtrain for something that may kill you. And mm-hmm. I call bullshit. You mm-hmm. can absolutely overtrain. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I call, I call it out with you. Um, You know, the biggest, the biggest key to injury prevention is, is building up strength. Um, The second little sub piece there that I didn't mention is load management. Uh, It's, it's not moving too fast in one direction. It's giving your body time to adapt, time to rest and recover. Uh, The recovery process with any strength training program is just as important as the actual lifting process. And, I think that in the sense of your job where your life is on the line, um, the training program needs to be a little bit more holistic. Uh, You need to be looking at recovery uh, on the weekend, just as important, getting your sleep, like Dr. Brooks had mentioned, uh, drinking a ton of water, eating a lot of protein. Uh, I know I've heard it on this podcast quite a bit. And I agree with it. The lunches, you know, just they're rough. And I think that they could be a lot better, but we don't have a choice in that. So on the weekend, Fuel up on on some steak or fish or uh, chicken. Get the protein in. Get some protein drinks in if you have to. Just do your best to prepare uh, for that upcoming piece. And I think that in itself, that mindset is a training mindset that people need to adapt. It doesn't always have to be full go um, with 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 activity. Uh, training is really a, a whole big picture that we need to start adopting.
0: I think there's a huge mental like thing going on with us too like I said and we're, we're kind of prone to overuse and overtraining injuries just because mm-hmm. of that oh well I'm a firefighter I need to train all the time yeah so I think it's important that we hear it from someone who's a professional yeah. in the field that yes yeah. it is possible to overtrain especially a former hotshot because those dudes ugh, yeah, yeah and, and
1: I've totally been there you know it's uh, it's it's hard when you're when you're young and you feel invincible but uh you know if if people if you get hurt i mean you could be out all season and not making any money and i'd rather be out on the line with uh, my brothers and sisters rather than sitting back at the base or at dispatch taking phone calls so no. not, not that there's anything wrong with that but i mean if you want to be out there then you got to take care of yourself and like you said don't don't overdo it
0: absolutely so now that we're on the subject now uh what were like in retrospect for you what were the most common types of like injury like athletic injury or Uh, operational injury or anything like that that you were commonly seeing on the hotshot crew on you um
1: so i would say uh the big thing a lot of people had back pain um back pain was a huge huge deal and back pain is a very complex and at the time i didn't really understand it i was like why is everybody's back so tight and it's these packs that we're hauling around everywhere
0: heavy (laughs) loads over long distances man
1: exactly (laughs) everybody's got uh you know the 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 pack weighing them down out there. I'd say that's the most common, uh, followed by if I if I had to stick with the orthopedic injuries, probably ankle sprains, um, and even the literature uh, out of the University of Iowa, they did a study to see what are the most common injuries, and it slips, trips, and falls as far as musculoskeletal injuries goes, and it's usually injuring the knees or ankles. And I would say that our crew is no different. Those are pretty common deals with the low back.
0: You know, I see a lot of too is uh, shoulders from carrying saws yeah yeah either you got a drop shoulder or doing you know reaching overhead to limb that repetitive motion i see a lot of rotator cuffs and uh i think they're called slap tears i believe
1: yep i forgot what the hell i did to mine but i think it was a slap yeah yeah absolutely uh you're right um Another thing that I saw, I had, a, I had a buddy that had been running saw for quite a while, uh, our lead saw, and he would get, you know, trigger finger, and he would get numbness and tingling, you know, like a brachial plexus type of injury, so the nerves coming out of the neck and innervating the wrist and forearm, his hand would be numb a lot. And uh, I know he's moved up into like an overhead position now, but I saw him recently, and I think that issue still arises every once in a while. So that type of thing, you know, also pretty common. Um, and it's got to be addressed you you should definitely seek help if you have any numbness or tingling in the arms or legs
0: yeah that's like neurological injury man that's that's huge that's like something really fucking bad is going on with your body if you're getting numbness and tingling
1: yeah if you have anything like that or any change in a you know bowel and bladder function um, any any issues with uh, tripping on your feet when you're just walking on level ground you should definitely seek out a health professional's help Um, that's a thing that I think mostly the numbness and tingling that a lot of guys uh, and and women tended to ignore on the fire crews. And I think it's something that, you know, Hey, it's not, it's not bad to look out for yourself because 10 years down the line, you want to be able to use your arms still.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like the overcoming injury part, like not only physically, but mentally, that's gotta be a huge thing because when you're not with your crew and you're laid up and injured, dude, that sucks. That is like one of the worst feelings in the world, man. Like, I can understand where like preventing injury is going to protect your mental health and like your, Mm -hmm. your state of mind down the road. So, well, shit, now that we're on the subject, man, uh, what do you think about, uh, overcoming injury? Like physically, what do you think would be like some, some tips, give us some pro tips.
1: So for, for the, uh, physical piece, I would essentially say if, uh, if you're hurt, um, you need to be, you need to be smart about what's going on, and actually uh, nerd nerd out a little bit here. But the uh, British Journal of Sports Medicine just came out with like another acronym to kind of help people with acute injury management. Um, you might have heard before of like RICE, which is rest, ice, compress, elevate. Um, they've actually expanded it. So if you've got somebody on the crew or on the engine that has twisted an ankle, uh, you know, and they 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 got to sit it out, you know, you should definitely. Uh, be taking care of that for the first few days and the new acronym is peace and love and peace i just want to share love. this peace and love yeah you're not going to start have. whipping out essential oil <laughs> shit on us are you <laughs> i i didn't i didn't want to share that uh, right off the bat but i was like you know some good information in there so I'll, I'll throw it out there and spread it to the fire world and see if anybody ribs me back for it oh, but damn. uh the, the the first component of it the peace component is essentially protect so the first few days you need to be protecting it uh, manage your load make sure you're not overdoing it the elevation piece, keeping your limb above the level of the heart is still there, doing it as much as possible. Um, actually, the science is pointing towards avoiding anti-inflammatories, which I wanted to point out for the listeners.
0: Yeah, because I eat ibuprofen. like <laughs> I should like have stock in like Pfizer or whoever the hell makes yeah. ibuprofen because I eat that shit like, <laughs> think it's, it's free.
1: Yeah, um, actually, the uh, scientific literature is saying to avoid that in the first few days. And the reason being is... It affects uh, blood flow, first of all, which is going to affect the body's ability to regenerate um, torn blood vessels and disruption and, uh, you know, lymphatic flow within whatever injured area you have. And we want that natural process to happen. We want nature to do its job.
0: So what about your uh, like your low vascularity injuries like uh, like ligaments? Those are pretty, pretty low in vascularity. Same thing.
1: With with that, uh, the scientific community is still concluding that avoiding anti-inflammatories and actually avoiding ice is the best thing for all types of acute injuries. Avoiding Um, ice. Yes. Because that's been
0: like standard operating procedure for like forever.
1: Same. (laughs) Same. And actually, uh, you know, if I have somebody who's having trouble dealing with pain, it's affecting their quality of life or their function – I'll still say throw an ice pack on there for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Just to help Um, with pain management? Just to help with pain management. Um, I think the scientific community doesn't want people to overuse it just because it does delay that natural inflammatory process, which is actually a good thing. Um, It's your body trying to regenerate and heal itself and excrete some of the, the bad toxins that have gotten to that injured area. So there's a whole process that when we use anti-inflammatories, it actually disrupts that healing or it delays it a little bit. No shit. So huh. I, like I said, if you can avoid the anti-inflammatories, uh, I would I would recommend it. Uh, my my license as a physical therapist doesn't allow me to really prescribe or speak to it. I'm mm. just simply stating what the literature has said. And as far as ice goes, you know, I'm still not going to tell somebody, you know, if you if you need to ice, go ice. Yeah. But uh, one thing that the literature has shown for icing is that. If you do it longer than 15 or 20 minutes, you're essentially just keeping keeping it on there for no reason. Um, the analgesic effect of using ice is only effective for 15 to 20 minutes. After that, you're just kind of wasting your time. So oh, if you do want to use ice, throw it on there for 15 to 20 minutes is all. There we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so peace and love. What was Is uh, that all of them or...
1: Well, let's see, the, the CE of peace is uh, compression. compression. So there is some low to moderate evidence to show that compression with bandage or taping is still helpful to manage acute swelling. So instead of icing and anti-inflammatories, they're saying to compress with a bandage or a wrap.
0: Okay. And
1: the E part of that, uh, they, they said education. And that's essentially if you if you feel like you need to talk to a healthcare provider, do it. Um, get it checked out, make sure it's nothing more serious. It gives you a peace of mind and, and having a peace of mind preps your body uh, to to heal and to get back on track. So it is important to be educated. The The love part, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to that real quick. Up, <laughs> <laughs> the love part essentially is uh, load. So L is load and that's load management. Uh, let pain be your guide. So if you hurt your ankle on Monday, um, and on Friday you feel like you can start doing some really basic, you know, balance work or, or doing some squats and the pain is minimal, then start integrating that. Um, the worst thing you can do is sit and do nothing. So load manage with pain as your guide. Uh, the, the, O keep I that, on it.
0: keep that L portion in the back of your mind. I want to revisit that.
1: Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. The, uh, the O part is optimism. We don't really need to handle hit on that too much. Uh, the V is vascularization. And I think they're kind of just, you know, hitting the same point two times there with that, but essentially pain-free, uh, aerobic activity has been shown to actually assist in revascularization of injured body parts. Uh, the one issue they have is that they don't have a dosage nailed down in the science. So we can't say go do 15 minutes every day at this, uh, you know, load or resistance when you're doing cardio. But we do know at a minimum that doing some aerobic activity does speed up the healing process. Okay. And then the E is uh exercise. And that's again again, I think they're kinda hammering on the same points, which is you gotta move and you gotta do it smart.
0: It seems like a kind of like a closed loop system almost, you know, like I I agree. Oodla an oodle loop almost
1: (laughs) there you go (laughs) so
0: yeah that's that's cool though because like all these things are interactive of course and then you know it all leads back to the same thing like your starting point so right with injury so let's talk about the mental game we brushed upon that a little bit um i know that a lot of people i've had a lot of people actually hit me up on Mm -hmm. uh anchor points instagram saying Mm -hmm. like hey man i'm down for the season man but you know you got any tips for me to like keep on trucking and get back healthy or anything like that? So yeah. what's your what's your thought about that? Because I mean your body's gonna heal, but right in that meantime, going back to the what was it, the O part. Yeah. yeah of the, the optimism. Love, <laughs> the optimism <laughs> there you go. What's some what's some like uh, mind hacks that you can use to keep your head in the game and like I guess you know reevaluate your situation and like make you think about what you're doing and how to heal properly.
1: Right. So the, the first thing I would say is being aware of some of the things that you or somebody near you that's injured might be going through. And uh, like I've said before, I'm kind of a, a nerd with the science and I just wanted to see like, what are some of the big things I identified with those people that have to perform in a high performance job or sport and the big ones, it, it seems, you know, it might be common sense, but it should be said anyways, it's depression and social isolation. Um, like you said, when you're, when you're knocked out of the, out of the game or when you're not able to roll with the crew, it it gets really hard. It gets really sad. You feel alone. Um, and that's why people in a rehab setting, like a formal rehab center do well because they can lean on each other and share stories. And so to get to the mind hack part of it, um, I would say really focusing on, on some new goals. So your goals, uh, in the in the health world we kind of set them up with the acronym more acronyms SMART goals <laughs> SMART goals god it sounds it's like the government goals, so. almost <laughs> <laughs> right there's there's an acronym or a or a system for everything so SMART goals are really important when you're healing up uh the S stands for specific um you should have you know if you hurt your knee or your ACL ruptured you know you're out for the season you know your goal should be I wanna you know it could be I want to bounce back stronger than before I want to be able to return to the the dig next year or, or to a saw next year. Um, the M of it is measurable. So in six months, I want to be here, you know, at, the, at this point. Um, at a year, I want to be somewhere as well, uh, you know, maybe full function again. I'm just using really broad, a really broad timeline. Um, the A is, I believe it's attainable. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it can't be something like, oh, I, I just tore my ACL. I, I want to go back and leave the fire crew and play college football or something like that. It's got to be, it's got to be, I want to get back to doing what I, what I know how to do. <laughs> and uh, the, the R is actually, it's just reasonable. So again, kind of hammering the same point here, attainable and, attainable and reasonable, set up your expectations um, the, the right way. That, that'll set your mind up right to recover. And T is, is time-based. So again, this whole system kind of goes back on itself to, to say, you know, you should have a specific direction and you should have a timeline of how to get there and when you expect to be there.
0: So it's interesting that you mentioned the, um, speci- well, you kind of brushed on it with the specific part of the SMART goals. And mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned getting in to physical therapist. And like yeah. actually getting help. How many people have you seen over the course of your career just wear it, just totally wear an injury, and just right. refuse to go to the doctor, or the hospital, or anything yeah. until the very last day of the
1: season? How oh, many times have you seen? Uh, that? I would say ninety-nine point, uh, not, maybe ninety-nine point five percent. You know, everybody is is trying to stick it out and, and doesn't want to be the the guy or girl that has to has to leave everybody behind. Um, I know I've he, done it. I've done it with yeah. an
0: ACL, dude. It was the, oh, dumbest, the dumbest thing I've ever done. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You've, if you've got some serious issues, man, you got to address it. And I just—it's so hard when we're all, you know, gung ho and we have this like no quit attitude. Nothing's going to keep me down. But I mean, if you—if you really thrash that ACL, you know, for example, if—if if we were talking about you and if it got worse during the season, I mean, that could ruin your career. And in the long game, you know, supporting yourself and your family and all that it might be uh, made, made difficult to do in wildland firefighting. Oh yeah. And I was the same way when I was out there, you know, I just did not want to quit, especially coming on the crew as a, as a rookie who knew nothing, who was kind of the, uh, the anchor my first year, I just wanted to prove so bad that I wasn't going to go down for anything, never quit. So I'm just as guilty of it. But looking back as a clinician, I would say, you know, if you need to take time, uh, if you suspect anything, at least on your weekend off your two days off, hit up your local physical therapist. Um, in most states, physical therapy uh, can be accessed directly. You don't need a physician referral to go in and see a physical therapist. So if um, it doesn't mean that you can go through a plan of treatment in all states. There's still some politics behind that. But if you suspect you know, you got some weird knee thing going on, at least have somebody put hands on it, get, uh, get an evaluation done, and give you some feedback on what it might be and how you can manage it going forward because any good physical therapist worth his or her salt uh, isn't going to tell you to sit out and not go to work, but they should be finding ways to integrate you back into the system that you're a part of. But again, to manage that load, maybe manage the amount of stress that you're putting on it, uh, giving you some ideas of how to recover while you're dealing with it.
0: Okay. So I've noticed that this whole discussion that we've been talking about load management as a primary topic. I'm assuming there's a reason for that. Is that just knowing your body and uh being aware of your body and aware of that pain because let's be honest this job it fucking hurts man <laughs> yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yes. how do we approach that for uh like the pain management and load management because it kind of sounds like they're very tied in with each other yeah. like if you can't do something yeah. without pain it's probably your load managing skills what's your yeah. thoughts on that
1: so The topic of pain itself, you know, there's a whole science uh, on pain and uh, maybe one of these times I'd be happy to come on and maybe talk about the science of pain a little bit with you and and everybody out there because uh, a lot of times injury uh, and pain aren't always synonymous. Um, You know, there's a lot of what we call the biopsychosocial factors that play into pain. So the biology, so it could be tissue damage, uh, the psychology um, it could be anxiety or some other issue going on. It could be stress at home. That's affecting what your body is perceiving to be injury. Um, the social aspect is the same. You might not have support or you might not want to give up on the team that you're a part of. So I try to separate the, the pain to the uh, injury kind of tie in together because it's a lot more complex than that. Um, but I do think you're you're totally right with saying that a lot of times people you know, they load up too fast, and then they do feel pain. So to, to get to kind of the load management part, um, a lot of the the injuries in the fire community um, tends to be overuse, at least from what I've looked at in the literature. And my interest in that is really sparked by something that I did for my doctorate degree. We had to present a thesis and do some research on a topic that interested us and. My history uh, in the wildland fire community made me want to look at the effects of um, cross training on injury risk reduction. And the reason I looked at cross training was because the military has been moving away from just push ups, pull ups, and running, running five miles and then hiking, you know, twenty miles, towards integrating more weightlifting, more jumping, uh, more tempo works workouts, and I wanted to see if that would be helpful to reduce injuries in the fire community so The the I did all the research I presented some literature and found that cross training essentially didn't significantly reduce the risk of injuries, there were just too many variables at play. But one thing that continued to pop up was the body's ability to catch up to the stress that you're throwing at it and adapt successfully and so with that, i kind of armed with that knowledge. I realized, you know, maybe it's not the cross training that is reducing injuries in the military. Um, obviously, I didn't find any difference with that to present to the wildland fire community. I mean, it does make you healthier. It does slightly reduce injury risk. But uh, there's a lot of other things that will do that too. And so my focus went more towards, you know, how much stress are we putting on? Are we putting it on uh, too slow, too quick? What's like that perfect medium? and I know a lot of people, um, you know, they prep their bodies before the season, but I think with the load management piece, I'd like to see a lot more of the wildland community, you know, taking six to eight weeks before and setting up like a program that gradually loads them up um, using full body workouts like squats, deadlifts, bench press, that type of thing, making their whole body a little bit more resilient, um, throwing in some proprioceptive type of training instead of you know just kind of blindly going at it trying to run as much as you can and hike as much as you can because and if you oh sorry go
0: that's ahead. that's the thing dude it's like it, i'm sure you guys had a hell week on, on your Hotshot mm-hmm. crew right that oh f- yeah first yeah. or second <laughs> week dude when you come back on after your crit 80 you're just like yeah getting your shit kicked in so yeah. <laughs> i mean it, it just seems like there's a lot of uh, opportunity to open to expose yourself one to injury and two getting diminished returns mm-hmm. with that style
1: Exactly. And and making people go out and, you know, run ten miles. I mean, it's it is very specific in the fact that wildland firefighting is very much an endurance sport, but very little of the time, you know, we should be out there running on the fire line. Um, you know, that's why we do a lot of practice hikes, which is is totally relevant. But I think we could, you know, in influence uh the resiliency that goes into hiking and and, and throwing a tool around all day by building up a reserve prior to the season, um, with, with a scientific backed strength training program, that's going to make your legs stronger, your hips stronger, your back, stronger, uh, your shoulders stronger. And using that, you know, gradual progression to where it starts to taper off as the season hits, but you're ready to roll. Um, yeah. you're ready for that hike. You're ready to throw on a pack all day. So you, like you said, the diminishing returns is if I throw a pack on every day, I'm not going to get stronger um after a while my body adapts to that and it just becomes something that's an irritant uh, if i if i want to get stronger uh, you have to add in a new stressor and that stressor should be strength training
0: i highly agree with that dude I, i've been saying it for a long time and I, my my crew probably hates me for it but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i i think that you need to have a balance of like all categories of fitness yeah. if you will and it's just going to make you more well-rounded and if something does come up where you're not truly trained for it, at least you have somewhat of a background physically, like the physicality portion of it. You have some right. sort of background to prepare you for that given task.
1: Exactly, I, I am right on there with you. I hated to hear it while I was doing it, um, but the the science says, you know, it's it's like that's how we that's how we uh, build our bodies up to be robust enough to take on a full fire season. Hell it's yeah. uh, developing the strength strength reserves.
0: It's that resilience, building better humans. Speaking of which, you want to talk about a human resiliency project?
1: Yeah, I'll give a, I'll give a little bit of information on it. Uh, so, you know, when I came down here to San Francisco to go to grad school, uh, kind of surrounded by all these uh, tech people and people are really good at the computer and all that. And I didn't really have much background or skill in that. And I just kind of popped out of graduate school as a clinician. And I, I just really tired of working uh, in this insurance model that dictated, you know, how I would get reimbursed, how I'd get paid, um, the treatments that I would be able to give my patients. A lot of it turned out to be, you know, massage and using these modalities like, uh, electrotherapy that has very little influence long-term on somebody's health and healing. And so, uh, you know, it was about, I think it was maybe six months to a year ago. I've, I've had this idea in my head for a while and, uh, my fiance, um, she is also a doctor of physical therapy. She, you know, she'd gone through as a a collegiate swimmer, had her own set of injuries. So we both come at this with our own lens, um, that we're looking at, you know, recovery and building strength through. And we just were like, you know, what if we came up with this project where everybody leaned on each other and, you know, we start to learn from each other and share our stories and build a community, um, kind of similar to how CrossFit did. I mean, people, if they're in CrossFit, they tell you they're in CrossFit. And I oh, think that's yeah. a great thing. You know, like I'm not, I think that's great. You know, if you, if you're about that, you identify with that. If it's making you better, do it. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. And uh,
0: Got a joke for you. CrossFitting vegan walks into a bar. What does he tell you about first?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, which one? It's going to be hard to choose. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> they'll say both. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you, man. Anyways, you're saying... <laughs> <laughs> but that's really, you know, so, so we're, we're here uh, in Silicon Valley now and we're both thinking of uh, forming a similar community, a similar tribe where people, you know, aren't just developing their bodies, but, but also their mind. And, um, I will probably go into it maybe in the future. If you let me come back on about Hell some of yeah. the background.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Hell yeah, man. dude, that sounds awesome. Let's get you on again. Let's shit. we got uh, two episodes. Now we got pain. I would love we to. Can talk about pain yeah. and we can talk about human <laughs> resilience project. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, one of those keywords there that I've been really, well, I'm not gonna lie, Joe Rogan got me stuck on it, but the tribal nature of people. Yeah, dude, wildland, we're our own tribe, that's for sure.
1: It is very true. And I think, you know, when I came out of the wildland job going into grad school, I missed that. And I, I craved that, you know, it was like I was just dropped. You know, taken out of the woods and just dropped in the city, and felt very isolated and very like, wow, I don't have an identity anymore. I don't have a purpose, and uh, I'm trying to reclaim that a little bit by building other people up here.
0: Dude, talk about culture shock, man. That's that that had to been hard.
1: Uh, (laughs) It was uh, it was a tough uh, first few years here, uh, being plucked from the woods and put in the city. Uh, Didn't really like it all. I'm I'm adjusting now. I think you know, hearing your podcast really pumped me up. I was like, wow, it's kind of cool to finally hear uh, some talk about the wildland fire community again i just you know a lot of people don't even know there's such a thing as wildland firefighters here in the city
0: no you usually tell someone that you're a wildland firefighter and they just immediately jump to the conclusion that you're a smoke jumper
1: so exactly (laughs) you jump out of plane. no no there's a lot of moving
0: parts to this whole operation there bud
1: yeah <laughs> the next the next question in california especially is your you cal fire no not cal fire <laughs> but uh, yeah um it, it's it's a, a lot of educating to do with people and i think your podcast is really great about that i really am looking to spread this thing uh it's nice to have somebody else share some experiences who's currently going through it and the people that have been on on your podcast i mean the stories are just they just bring up old old memories and i'm just oh, so yeah. pumped
0: Dude, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, definitely interesting to hear all the different sides and perspectives from different wildland firefighters. Um, one thing that I've noticed is uh, like a big topic, though, is the whole mental health thing.
1: Yeah, I, huge, I noticed man. that, too. Everybody's talking about that. I think that's a great thing. I mean, um, God, I've, I've heard, you know, I, I've listened to the podcast and I've heard you talk about a few things that you've been through and some of the other people, too. And I didn't, you know. I, I wasn't a part of any specific event that directly impacted me. I mean, I lost friends out there. Um, I wasn't involved in any specific incidents for, for me per se, but, um, when I got plucked out of there and kind of dropped in the city, I mean, I just, like I said, I think mental health hammering on that. I just felt like I had no team, nobody to lean on. And then that uh, year that I started grad school, um, the Yarnell fire happened in Granite Mountain, you know, we suffered a big loss there. And, I just, I remember calling my dad that day, just totally shocked. Like I just had no idea what to do. Um, I had just left where I worked as the firefighter with those friends. I had moved down to San Francisco a couple months before and I just felt still very much a part of that community. And, uh, when I heard that I was just devastated and, um, it's, it's nice. I think that this podcast is really awesome because it connects people and tells people like, Hey, like I wasn't the only one feeling that way. Um, the tri- trials and triumphs we go through during a season i think we all really experience and like you said we all have different agencies we work for different lens that we view the world through but we're all very similar and it's uh it's really nice i, I kind of feel that community coming back just through the podcast and it makes me feel mentally uh okay with with how everything's turned out
0: that's the point of the podcast man to connect the humans connect our tribe our, right. that's the whole whole gig, man love yeah, dude. build the anchor anchor
1: point tribe
0: <laughs> the anchor point tribe there we go but yeah dude so <laughs> what were some like coping mechanisms that you used for uh that transition from the feds out of the hotshot mm-hmm. theater into private sector med school all yeah. that stuff your own practice
1: how did yeah. you what, what were
0: some tools that you used
1: go going into to physical therapy school it was uh you know, at first it wasn't the most healthy coping mechanisms, and I think that's, it's something that I want to throw out there, you know, like drinking too much, being involved in toxic uh, environments, toxic people around me, um, just trying to find my place, but I came out of it, and you know, I came out of it a lot stronger, and the way I came out of it was really uh, just seeking support, surrounding myself with uh, good people, um, seeking people who would better me through, through just being in their company, people who were motivated, And wanted to hear my story and also had some stuff to share back with me to, to make me feel like it was okay to be in this place and this, this time in my life. Um, Also things like I read a lot, uh, picking up things like mental imagery, uh, relaxation techniques, working out has been therapeutic. Uh, Really, just
0: is huge for your mental health.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's evidence to show that it'll fight depression. Um, So those are some of the big ones. Fucking eight,
0: man. Well, that's, yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you uh, came on the show, Ben. What do you think? You got anything else to talk about, man? Or do you got,
1: well, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I think we could go on for hours. I think if you, uh, if you, if you uh, want me on and another yeah, time man. I would love to do this. Um, I hope people enjoyed it. If people have questions, I mean, please reach out. I, I love being reconnected back to this community. I missed it a lot.
0: See, so there you go, guys. Even when you're out of the game. You still miss it, dude. I, I Absolutely, s- dude. I, dude, I, I swear that like once you're a firefighter, that little piece of you will never ever die. You'll carry that for the rest of your life.
1: I I totally agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. It's not. It's never going away.
0: Well, shit, man. Well, yeah. Like I said, dude. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Do you? Um. So at the end of the show, what I usually do is I do like a shout out and like a mentor, or one of your yeah. homies or anything. Anybody. It could be anybody or a multiple two to people.
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, I would say the biggest person and 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 he's not here anymore. He's involved in a car accident, but he was sorry, my uh, squad leader. Um and then yeah, it was really a tough situation. But I, I thought about this, you know, I've heard all of your other podcasts and I wanted to give him a shout out because you know, if it's his family listening or other people we worked with, I just want people to know how grateful I am to him. And his name was Dale Mendies. Uh he's my squad leader in Yukon And uh he, he gave me a chance. Um, you know, the fire community, it's a little hard to, uh, it can be a little like exclusive at first, especially if you're, uh, not, a, not carrying your weight. <laughs> it's definitely
0: a tribe, man.
1: <laughs> it's definitely a tribe and you got to earn your place. And, uh, he gave me uh, a number of shots to earn my place and, and I stuck through it and I really believe I am where I am today because of him. Um, I even, you know, I kept, uh, kept a, a note from him in my pocket during my doctorate thesis because the guy inspired me that much so shout out to him for giving me a chance and, and really for changing my life
0: that's awesome dude that's that's hella cool so uh where can we find you on the socials man
1: yeah so uh instagram is the the, the best place to find me right now it's i think it's dr underscore Harold, doc uh, underscore dpt so dr Harold dpt um that's my personal account it's uh if you know add me and i'll add you and we can chat whatnot um And then my fiance and our and I are working on the human resilience project. It's just at human resilience project on Instagram. Uh, We plan on having a website up within the next month or so. So we'll be on uh, social media a lot more. I'll be a lot more active on there. There's just some things in the works right now, but uh, Instagram's the main place.
0: Hell oh, yeah, dude. Do you mind if anybody swings by and like uh DMs you any questions or, I mean, they're not going to ask you for like professional clinical stuff. I hope that the people yeah. that will be talking <laughs> to you. He's like, well, this is a very hands-on kind of thing yeah. we need to see what's going on. So if you want to drive to San Francisco and, you know, come to the right. clinic. <laughs> no,
1: man, absolutely. If anybody has questions, reach out. Um, you know, uh, if, if, uh, if you have anything that you want looked at or anything like that, we could even set up like the time to talk. I mean, I'm, I'm here for folks. Um, I'm willing to, to give back in any way I can. And, you know, I've got the training now to do it. So I hope that our conversation sparked some people's interest in, in building up their bodies a little bit more, making themselves more resilient for the season.
0: Hell yeah, dude. I, I hope they do. I hope you, uh, I hope everybody out there listening takes their uh, fitness into some serious, serious account because well, it could prevent injury. It does. It go. does prevent injury. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, the, the science <laughs> doesn't lie. Awesome. Take care of your bodies; it'll take care of you. So, absolutely,
1: yeah, strength is never a weakness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh shit! Well, man. Well, I think that's the time point, man. Um, yeah. Once again, thank you, and I looked forward to having you on the show a couple more times. Can't wait, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Anthony Harrell. Check him out on the socials. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Hell yeah, that was an awesome episode. Dr. Harold, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we covered a lot of uh, topics, Uh, prehab, rehab, overcoming injury, uh, what we could do to prevent injury. Also, fitness. I love his stance on fitness, man, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with him on it. Seems like uh, fitness is our number one insurance policy of not getting hurt in the field or while you're doing PT. So yeah, take care of your bodies, sleep, don't go to the bar post-roll and get blackout drunk. Yeah. Don't overtrain either. It's huge, man. <laughs> Dr. Harold, man, once again, thank you. Thank you so much. Want to give a shout out to you guys uh, who are sharing the good word of the Anchor Point podcast. Definitely tell your friends, tell your homies. Make sure you swing by iTunes and smash that subscribe button. And or uh, we're on... No, I'm trying to get on Stitcher. I think I'm already on Stitcher. I, I, I'm trying to get on Stitcher. Let's just leave it at that. Anyways... Also, we're on uh, Spotify as well. So, make sure you subscribe to those. Drop us a rating if you can. That'd be awesome. Also, head over to our socials, man. Uh, Anchor Point Podcast on Instagram. And uh, tag us in photos. Make sure you use that hashtag as well. The Anchor Point Podcast. And uh, if we find a badass photo or something out there, we'll definitely uh, use you as a featured photo. So that being said thanks for listening guys and girls catch you on the next one be safe it's heating up out there